Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We are your co-hosts, Solomon and Jamila Jefferson. We want you all to know, no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we've made, we will not allow our past to determine our future. So we're here today with Brother Scott Morgan, and we're going to be discussing the entry and incarceration. Brother Scott, can you briefly tell me a little bit about yourself? My name is Scott Morgan. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the neighborhood of West Oak Lane, considered West Oak Lane, Mount Airy. Grew up in a household with a mother and a father, brothers and sisters, a wholesome family, a Christian-like family. Uh, We believed and loved in God. Can you please share two things that people may not know about incarceration? Well, one thing I don't think are people understand that once a person goes to jail, they need money to survive. Nothing up there is given to anyone any longer. So for family members and people who have people away, and a lot of people might come home with a lot of resentment and abandonment because family members didn't know that they really needed them up there to survive. Another thing is something I just found out is that incarcerated people Whoever owns the prison is making $250 a day off of them. Imagine your people have been away for 10 years. Somebody made $450,000 off of them. I mean, that's just something that was amazing to me. And I noticed that a lot of people are not aware that when a person gets incarcerated, it affects the whole family. Yes. In addition to that, people don't know that prison can be traumatic. So let me ask you, have you witnessed any traumatic experiences while you was incarcerated? Well, I'm I'm 55 years old, and one thing that I witnessed that had kind of amazed me, I was always scared as a kid about going to jail, knowing that you hear about the sexual things that go on up there and things of that nature, but I was so surprised that that wasn't going on, that it was natural for men to be with men up there. I just couldn't understand that. That was new to me. That was just like, it blew my mind. What were some benefits that you, while you was incarcerated? One of the main benefits was, is that I took my Christianity totally serious. And I realized that I had had enough. And I knew that once I got out, I needed to ground myself in a church. That was the major thing about this last incarceration that I was in. I, I knew that I never wanted to follow a life of crime ever again. I knew not only like could education, things that people think could change you, that was important. I, I knew that me having a relationship with God was the most important thing with coming home this time. I'm glad you say that because me personally, that was one of my greatest benefits. Was I, when I got incarcerated, at least the last time, I realized that I couldn't do this by myself. So I knew at that point that I needed help, and I came to the conclusion that I needed something besides myself to help me with this, because prior to me receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was in and out, right. in and out, and it was an ongoing thing. Right. Like I said, the greatest benefit for me was receiving Jesus Christ, allowing me to consciously realize that I needed the help which allowed me to change my thought pattern. Right. Because what I found out is that if we don't change our mindset, we will be in trouble. Right. Now, I know that the entry is transitioning from prison and jails back into the community. What do you think about re-entry today? Well, 
when I had came home, it was a bunch of re-entry programs going on. And, well, wait a minute. Let me take you back to um, 92, I was in the feds. Uh, not 92, 02. I came home from the feds. And when you come home from the feds, you have to do six months halfway house. And nobody is exempt from it. When I came home, they had programs and things set up. And it took me a while to adjust because for me being away, I had such high expectations of myself that I had to let myself get punched by a pen so the air could come out me. Now, this time around, when I came home, I had found out that these programs that they had wasn't for me. They had programs to get your resume together or for people that needed a diploma or for people who wasn't ready for interviews, they was giving them clothes and all things like that. I know how to interview. I have no problem with that. But the programs that they were offering wasn't for me. It felt like they were just taking signatures and names instead of giving out actual help. Now, when I came home, the first person that I seen was the probation officer. The probation officer told me that I had to go to a program. When I went to the program, the program was telling me I needed the therapy and I had to be involved with the program therapist for four hours a day in the daytime. So where did that leave me time to do anything from traveling there and traveling back? You're saying six hours of my day was just going to therapy. How could a person like adjust and come back into society if they have to do that for four months and no income coming in? So immediately I had knew that that wasn't for me, that re-entry program. And it felt like the, the state was still making money off of me. When you tell me to go get a welfare card and get in, into a program, I, I didn't feel good with that. You know, I just didn't feel good with that part of re-entry. And I hear you there. So with that said, what would you say was the negative experiences during your re-entry? The most negative part about re-entry was probably my friends and my family because they were looking for the person that had left with all the negativity instead of the person that I had developed into. They was looking for me to pick up where I had left off. Now, on the flip side of that, what were some positive things that you experienced during your reentry process? I took off my shield of pride and I walked down the aisle at E9 and joined the church. And I didn't care what another person had thought about my past. I knew that my future was in God's hands. I wanted nothing to get in between the relationship that I have right now with God. You understand? And, and I don't let anything get in, involved with that right now. So I know with the connection that I have with God, when I go to talk to him, he answers and he listens straight to me. And, and there's, no, there's nothing that divides us with sin. Right. Because I know that for a lot of people, some negatives are getting IDs, you know, getting employment, housing, and sometimes being alone. That's some of the things that I experienced. But on the positive side, I had a chance to prove myself. And I also had a chance to connect with my loved ones because when you're incarcerated, you're not a real family. So one of the positive things for me as far as reentry was I had a chance to get back with my loved ones. And I understand what you were saying because a lot of times when you first come out, those homeboys on the corner, they're waiting on you. Our mindset let us know that if we fall back into that, then we'll be back where we started from. Brother Solomon, let me say something else. 
Philadelphia is a clever, clever city. Like right now, they have this covert going on. And if you involved in the streets of Philadelphia, these people right now in the streets of Philadelphia are getting back money in droves right now. They're lying on these applications and everything, but it's, it's so simple to fall into negativity when it looks like it's positive negativity. Positive negativity is like when it gives you something to pay your bills, but it can set you back in the long run. And I knew for me, I had to stay completely away from Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Philadelphia is one of them states that, you know, we burn it out. I thank God that you came on as our guest, Brother Scott. And I thank God for my husband, Solomon, and hearing y'all stories and testimonies. And, you know, what I've seen and how the move of God has shown God's self regarding the topic of incarceration and reentry, just from my husband's testimony, we met in school and then we got married and, you know, had a younger daughter and we parent like a blended family model. So what's so powerful to me about my husband, he's from another state. So when we got married, he moved to where I was living. And then like he had to start all over from scratch. Mind you, he was where he was from working and getting opportunities was not a problem because just to see how he was so independent with, he had a grass cutting company and, you know, had a lot of opportunities and different jobs that were honest, decent living. So coming to this state, it was like he had to start all over with his record. And mind you, he put in for the pardon and that was interesting. But we thank God the pardon had, it came through like 2016. And now we thank God that um, he got a letter from the court. They're not going to oppose his petition for his expungement. But when he first came, it, it was interesting how it was so many barriers getting work. So finally he took work at a low paying wage, but it was an honest, decent living. And then finally he had to go over the road because he knew I needed to finish school and he needed to make more of a better living. But even in that, God kept us. And so we want to give people hope that even with your story and my husband's story, yeah, there's going to be barriers. Nobody says it's going to be easy, but if you do it God's way, God would honor that. And so I thank God that he graduated this year, 2020. He's still been applying professionally. He's been writing letters. That's his passion and, and things like that to those that are still incarcerated. So I just wanted to share that God is faithful. No matter what you go through, it's to give hope. That's why we're doing this podcast. Now, Brother Scott, I think I heard you just say a few minutes ago about your uh, fellowship experience with your church. We know that's one of the practical tools that you use. But in addition to that, what are some other tools that can help people who are in the process or get ready to begin the process of reentry? Just for me, I had to stay on my knees. When I came home, everything was totally against living right. Everything that I crossed was just totally against living right. I had to take the add on to your wife saying about the complications about finding a job. I had to take a job at Marshall's Distribution Center for $11 an hour. And I went up there and got a hernia from packing trucks by hand, but I stayed there. And now I'm at a place right now where as though I thank God for last year, I made $62,000, but I thank God that I stuck in there and I got a better opportunity. But I stay at this job and I think about how my work ethic can open up doors for brothers that do come home. 
you know, my say-so up in here, these people is like, Scott, do you have anybody to bring up here? All the time, Brother Solomon. So I know that God is working through me and with me with that situation there. With brothers coming home, if they can connect with some family members that do have jobs, I would ask that they go that route first. And also, I would say that money and trying to get to a dollar might not be the first issue. I think the first issue is making sure your mindset is right. So with whatever you come across that you can handle, I don't care how much money you get if your mindset ain't right, you can get a million dollars. You ain't going to be able to handle it. It might make you even more crazy. You know, I was, I was doing some research as I was preparing for this. According to the Philadelphia Reentry Coalition, as of August of 2019 last year, 62% of the funds for reentry come from nonprofit organizations. 19% of the funds for reentry have come from government agencies. 7% of funds come from private firms. 7% comes from colleges and universities. And 5% come from other sources. And out of that 62% of funds from the nonprofit, 6% of that comes from faith-based institutions, which means the church in, in, in a whole gives about 6% towards re-entry. The government gives about 19% to re-entry. Now, to me, we need help with that because these nonprofit organizations, they're doing a great work, and I appreciate that. People need help who are coming out of these prisons because they don't have no housing. There's, there's a lot of things they don't have. But thank God that there are some agencies that help them and there's an agency called JAS, which is Jewish Employment Vocational Services. And what JAS do is, it's an agency that helps people with the reentry process. Also, the Philadelphia Reentry Coalition also help people with the reentry process. And there's a lot of other groups and organizations that help people with reentry. So, Brother Scott, I'm going to ask you now, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners? How can they help these people lives to be better as far as coming out of incarceration? Let me just tell you how my mind has been working since the COVID. I thought about that, and I thought about how we could have some resources for people that's coming home, and I thought about what are the needs that we have needed right now with the COVID. And one thing that I have thought about is that we definitely need more mental health. I thought about we didn't have those testing centers, something like a lab corp, but my mind was just thinking about resources that could make money, that could be given back to the community for those sources where we might not even have to go to other people for it. And that's just what I was thinking on my own. Now, I don't know where we can get more resources from, but the one thing I know about our people is that we are entrepreneurs from birth. And if we come together, those resources along with God's way can come from anywhere. They don't just have to come from the people that already is already given. You know, God will make a way, a tremendous way, and a brand new way of doing things if that's what we are asking for. And I don't know how we can get that going. Because every, every one of these resources that I have seen, and I know about Jazz, my, my daughter works for Jazz, and you know she works in the houses with them, and they do help the community a lot, and that's the Jewish organization. But I know they're also involved in prison. 
I know with the virtual one-stop job and resource hub that's hosted by the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, the community engagement is offered virtually now because of COVID. And it's every first Thursday of the month through the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. And they bring valuable and necessary resources to the residents of the city of Philadelphia with the support of internal and external partnerships for people, not only who are returning citizens, but for other people as well. I remember where we worship, they partnered with Brown Shop, right? With, I think it's Uplift Solutions. It was a list of organizations when he was doing his research for re-entry. And plus he did an internship prior to graduating. There's an organization called Redemption Housing. And what Redemption Housing does is persons who's coming from incarceration can live there for up to two years find a job, get the resources that they need, and give them a chance to get on their feet. The Redemption House is in West Philadelphia. And all you have to do, if you want more information about Redemption House, is just Google Redemption House. Brother Scott, we get ready to wrap up. You have any closing thoughts? My closing thoughts is that, God, go ahead and just keep us all covered, Brother Solomon. I'm praying that we can come together and put something together for the brothers that's coming home, maybe a halfway house or a men's shelter, some type of mental health institution. God knows we all need it. You know, when we look at the news with the young brothers that's shooting and, and they don't even know what they're doing to themselves by shooting and killing each other. Because just like we had started this off, you're ruining your family when you go away. Not only yourself, but your family is going to get ruined. I would put myself on the front line as an example of what not to do, you know, over the years of going back and forth and then if any brothers had need any help, you know, I'm always available. I just thank God for this whole interview and this discussion. I learned so much and I just give God the glory for your powerful story, Brother Scott and Brother Sunny. We thank God for you all because just like the title of our podcast, it's not how you start, but how you finish. And if you all can continue and we as a community can continue to be the hope and the light through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ by giving others hope that even though they've gone through incarceration and they're returning, it doesn't define them. It's not over yet. So I just thank God for Jesus being who God is and our Lord and Savior and keeping us. And Brother Scott, we want to thank you for being a part of our podcast today. We want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and may God continue to bless and keep you. Thank you, Brother Solomon. we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we have made, it does not define who we are or where we are going. It is just a part of our story and the journey that God has us on to not only learn from these different experiences, but to sometimes be able to help support, encourage, and inspire others who may be going through similar situations. My husband and I have learned this to be true because of our different life experiences, which have led us in wanting to continue to share our stories along with others to know it is not how you start, but how you finish.